Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Sarasvate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatharine Vancha kalpatarubhyascha, kripasindubhya evacha, patitanam pavanebhyo, vaishnavibhyo namo namah. He Krishna karuna sindhu dinabando jagatpate, gopesha gopika kanta. Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Brindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Srivatsadhi Gauravakta Vinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Ah, we're getting a screen with Bhagavad Gita. So, welcome everyone to Munich Yatra's Sunday Sunday feast program. I hope there will be a nice feast at the end of this. Uh, concluding, I think uh, we'll have to have some some uh, virtual feasting. In any case, we can feast on the holy name, and we can feast on Krishna's words in Bhagavad Gita, in which we are reading chapter 6, verse number 27. Krishna is speaking to Arjuna and he says, Prashantamanasam hyenam yoginam sukkam uttamam upaiti shantarajasam Brahmabhutam akalmasam prashantamanasanghyenang yoginang sukkam uttamam 
उपायति शांत राजसंग ब्रह्मभूतम अखामसम प्रशांत मनसंख्येनम योगिनम सुकम उत्तमम उपायति शांत राजसंग ब्रह्मभूतम अखामसम कृष्णास speaking about peace and happiness and brahma bhuta spiritual position prashanta means peaceful fixed on the lotus feet of krishna manasam whose mind he certainly enam this yoginam yogi sukham happiness uttamam the highest upaiti attains shantarajasam his passion pacified brahmabhutam liberation by identification with the absolute and akalmasham freed from all past sinful reactions translation and purport by his divine grace ac bhaktivedanta swami shila prabhupada ki jai translation the yogi <clears throat> the yogi whose mind is fixed on me verily attains the highest perfection of transcendental happiness He is beyond the mode of passion he realizes his qualitative identity with the supreme and thus he is freed from all reactions to past deeds and prophet's short purport <coughs> excuse me brahma bhuta is the state of being free from material contamination and situated in the transcendental service of the lord mad bhaktim labate param chapter 18 verse 54 one cannot remain in the quality of brahman the absolute until one's mind is fixed on the lotus feet of the lord savai mana krishna padaravinda yoho to be always engaged in the transcendental loving service of the lord <coughs> or to remain in krishna consciousness is to be factually liberated from the mode of passion and all material contamination prashanta manasam hyenam yoginam sukham uttamam upaiti shanta rajasam brahmabhutam akalmasham we're in the sixth chapter of bhagavad gita called mm, dhyana yoga uh <laughs> controversially shri prabhupad 
gave the title Sankhya Yoga to this chapter. And, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a debate in our uh, editing group, the uh, BBT Review Board. Uh, well, we haven't come to this discussion yet, but it's coming up. <laughs> what to do, because the standard, every every the the tradition says it's dhyana yoga. Um, Prabhupada called it sankhya yoga. Do we keep it sankhya yoga, or do we say dhyana yoga, or do we uh, say it's both, or what? <laughs> um, I'm inclined to uh, go with dhyana yoga because that is the subject of the chapter dhyana or meditation, certainly we can meditate on uh, the ideas, the principles of Sankhya. So in that sense, we may call it Sankhya Yoga. <clears throat> in any case, uh, we might be reminded as we read, especially the Sanskrit of this verse, of another verse in chapter 18 of the Gita, which Śrīla Prabhupāda mentions in the purport. Uh, he mentions the last line. Uh, the first line of that verse, you may know, Brahmabhuta prasannātmā nāsochati nakaṅkṣati sama sarveshubhuteshu Madbhaktim Labate Param. In that verse, Brahma Bhutta is the initial idea. Uh, it's describing the state of hmm, what Prabhupada is here calling the state of being free from material contamination and being situated in the transcendental service of the Lord. Uh, the more, mm, the technical term Brahman, of course, is not specifying uh, the Lord as such, but is giving the more, shall we say, impersonal uh, understanding of the Absolute. And so we can say the Bhagavad Gita in general sometimes is uh, giving the more impersonal and therefore, in a sense, more inclusive uh, understanding. Inclusive in the sense that someone may not be inclined or have understanding of uh, Paramatma or Bhagavan, but will have some idea about Brahman. And another point is that the Bhagavad Gita is uh, one of the Upanishads, in effect. It's sometimes called the Gita Upanishad. And the Upanishads are very much concerned with Brahman, so this general idea of uh, being situated in Brahman, 
is what's described in the 18th chapter. Brahma Bhuta Prasannatma. But then the punchline comes uh, in the last line of that verse. Mad Bhaktim Labhate Param. One attains uh, to devotion to, to me, the Lord, Krishna says. Uh, what kind of bhakti? Uh, supreme bhakti, param, param bhaktim, mad bhaktim labhate param. So in this verse, chapter uh, 6 verse, prashanta manasam uh, is anticipating, we could say, uh, the first line of 1854, because that verse, Brahmabhuta prasannatma. Now, the word prasanna is, uh, it's different from prashanta, but it has a similar sense if we want to take uh, shanta, meaning peace, and prasanna, meaning joyfulness, as being similar or being related. And uh, earlier in the Gita, uh, Krishna speaks of the relation between peace and happiness when he says you cannot have happiness without peace. He puts uh, shanta as the prerequisite for peace, so to say. Sorry, for happiness. So, prashanta manasam uh, yoginam sukham uttamam. So, here we're getting the shanta and sukha, uh, the peace and happiness connection. Uh, and then, upa at, it becomes upaiti. A-T, he, he or she goes, and then upa has the sense here of uh, approaching, and so it can come to mean attaining, as Prabhupada has here. Uh, att- what one attains, he attains, the, the, the yogi attains... Um, not only a peaceful mind, but also peace from rajas, from rajaguna, shantarajasam, uh, which is a uh, mm, it's a samasa, a compound, which would be, I believe, it would be a, what's called a Bahurihi compound, <clears throat> which means uh, the yogi uh, having having his or her rajas uh, pacified, shanta, can translate it in a, in a literal way like that, having his rajas pacified. Um, now, this verse has uh, a structure which is very common 
throughout the Gita, I would say many, many, many verses have this structure of uh, describing some some qualities or some action in the first half and then in the second half telling what the result of that is, what we can get as a result. Or in the case of uh, an undesirable result, uh, it's also describing that. We've just been reading in our... Uh, here in our morning Gita grammar class with one student, <laughs> our during breakfast Bhagavad Gita Sanskrit grammar class. We've been working our way through chapter two. And uh, let's see if we can get an example of this. We've been reading... Krishna's warnings to Arjuna. Um, I don't know if I'll find a perfect example of this, but mm. well, let's take verse thirty-three. Atachetvam imang dharmyam sangramam na karishyasi. If you do not engage in this sangrama, in this um, well, in this battle, in this fight, in this uh, crowding together, struggle. Tataha then, svadharmam kirtin hitva, giving up your own dharma and, and giving up your fame, your reputation, Papam of Apsyasi, you will get uh, Papa, you will get something undesirable, evil, sin, sinful reaction, like that. So that, that would be an example of that structure where it's a negative thing. If you do the wrong thing, this is going to be the result that you will get. <clears throat> <clears throat> hmm. Let's try the water trick again. Anyway, um, this verse might also remind us of verses in the 18th chapter dealing with happiness. Uh, because this verse speaks of Uttamam Sukham, the highest happiness. Uh, Maybe before going to the eleventh, uh, tenth, what am I talking about? The eighteenth chapter. Uh, just here in the sixth chapter, there's been some talk about about uh, the great happiness that can come as a result of this jnana mm, yoga. Starting with verse 20 and then 21. Somebody's, uh, somebody, we're hearing somebody's breathing. <laughs> it's good maybe to turn off, uh, to mute your microphones. Including, yes, okay. 
Um, yeah, verse 20, 21 of this chapter. Sukam atyantikam yatat buddhigrahyam atindriyam veti yatra na chaivayam stitas chalati tatvata. Uh, it's describing the result of practicing meditation uh, and it's saying, uh, we still have somebody with microphone on, shuffling about, no? <laughs> anyway, this perfection is characterized by one's ability to see the self by the pure mind and to relish and rejoice in the self in that joyous state. Here we are. In that joyous state, one is situated in boundless, transcendental happiness, realized through transcendental senses. So in other words, one ha we have a lot to look forward to by practicing yoga, especially, well, bhakti yoga, uh, possibly in the form of dhyana yoga. Sukham atyantikam yatat, it's um, topmost happiness that's being promised here. And this is of course, in contrast with the ordinary sense of sukha, which is put in uh, typically together with the with its opposite, dukkha. Um, that was another verse we just were discussing in our morning class. <clears throat> Where is it? Here we are. Sukha dukhe same kritva laba labo jaya jayo tato yudhaya yudhyasva na evam papam avapsyasi. Uh, Arjuna was saying how, Arj sorry, Krishna was saying how Arjuna will. Uh, gain papa if he neglects his duty and now he's saying you can go beyond the dualities of this world and thus become uh, and thus not be implicated by uh, by by sin sukaduke same kritva uh, and so many times Krishna speaks of happiness and distress together. So the happiness he's talking about here, sukham uttamam, is a different category of happiness. But then we may want to think about what Krishna says regarding happiness in chapter uh, 18 with respect to the modes of nature. And... Here he talks about happiness in relation, at least with respect to mode of goodness and mode of passion, with respect to 
poison, visha. That which is in the beginning, which in the beginning may be just like poison, but at the end is just like nectar, amritam, and which awakens one to self-realization, is said to be happiness in the mode of, hap- of goodness. Poison in the beginning, nectar in the end, awakening, self-realization. If you've experienced that, you may be on to something good. <laughs> Happiness in the mode of goodness. On the other hand, that happiness, which is derived from contact of the senses with their objects, vishaya, indriya, samyoga, <clears throat> the samyoga of vishaya and the indriya, uh, and which appears like nectar at first, tat agre amrita upamam, but poison at the end, pariname visham ivat, is said to be of the nature of passion. Now in today's verse it says, upaiti shanta rajasam, one becomes free from One's, one's rajas is shanta, it becomes uh, pacified. Suggesting that uh, we will be free from the so-called happiness, which is happiness in the mode of good, of passion, um, being uh, that which is the happiness of senses connecting with sense objects leading to um, experiencing poison. What to speak of happiness in the mode of ignorance, that happiness which is blind to self-realization, which is delusion from beginning to end, and which arises from sleep, laziness, and illusion is said to be of the nature of ignorance. So, blind to self-realization, what's in the Sanskrit? Sukham Mohanam Atmana, mm. having no having no sense of the self, bewildered Mohanam, Sukham, which is Mohanam, which is a bewilderment uh, of the self, yeah, a bewilderment of the self. Atman uh, is. In genitive form, atmanaha. Yeah, so that's that's all surpassed by 
Sukham Uttamam and Sukham Uttamam is uh, the, the situation for the yogi, yoginam, who is prashanta manasa, whose mind has been peaceful. In the purport, Srila Prabhupada takes us back to one of his favorite examples of the practice of devotional service, which he quotes in chapter 6, text number 18, uh, three verses from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 9, Chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. Savai Krishna padaravinda yor vachangsi vaikunta gunanu varnane karo harer mandira marjanadishu shuting chakara chutta satkato daye Mukundalingalaya darshanedrishal tat brityagatra sparshenga sangamam granam chatat pada saroja saurabhe shimatulasya rasanang tadarpite padok hare kshetra padanu sarpane shiro rishikesha padabivandane Kamang chadasye natu kama kamyaya yatottama shloka janashraya rati. King Ambarish first of all engaged his mind on the lotus feet of Lord Krishna. So, step one putting our mind at the lotus feet of Lord Krishna. And this can be done at any time or any place. Um, We can picture the lotus feet of Krishna. We can picture the deity of Krishna in our minds. Uh, Even we may not have a picture of Krishna before us. We We have seen pictures, so we can picture Krishna's lotus feet. And of course, putting mind to the lotus feet has also a figurative meaning, namely uh, engaging the mind in service. And we may say that's uh, the, the more sort of inclusive sense of engaging the mind, the lotus feet of the Lord. So one can say engaging the mind in the lotus feet of the Lord is also including making plans how to serve the Lord. Then, one after another, he, King Ambarish, engaged his words in describing the transcendental qualities of the Lord, his hands in mopping the temple of the Lord, Um, somebody's microphone is on. Can we turn off the microphones, please? <laughs> ah, he's the culprit. 
Oh, that's because he's uh, he's in his. Oh, there it's off. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he uses hands in mopping the temple of the Lord. Mopping. This is uh, an English word, uh, which means it's uh, it's like sweeping, but with uh, with a wet. You could say a wet broom, not a broom, a mop. I don't know. His ears and hearing of the activities of the Lord. The Sanskrit, by the way, for mopping the temple is mandira marjana. Um, anyway, his ears and hearing of the activities of the Lord, his eyes in seeing the transcendental forms of the Lord, his body in touching the bodies of the devotees, his sense of smell in smelling the scents of the lotus flowers, oh, the lotus flowers offered to the Lord. That's interesting. Okay. So, um, how to get some lotus flowers to offer to the Lord? We have to go to Guyana in northern South America. His tongue in tasting the tulsi leaf offered at the lotus feet of the Lord. His legs in going to places of pilgrimage. Maybe not during pandemic lockdown. And uh, the temple of the Lord. His head in offering obeisance unto the Lord. And his desires in executing the mission of the Lord, all these transcendental activities are quite befitting, quite appropriate for a pure devotee. So, um, King Ambrish gives us the example how to how to how to um, how to practice dhyana yoga you can say Prabhupada's referring to this within this chapter dhyana yoga so uh, so that's nice prashanta manasam hi enam yoginam sukham uttamam upaiti shanta rajasam brahmabhutam akalmasham it's another word uh, for sin is kalmasha. Um, which has perhaps other uh, connotations than papam. So a person becomes a kalmasha, free from uh, from sin uh, at this stage of mm, Brahmabhuta. And this stage, or this uh, platform, we can say, we talked about, we, we suggested uh, yesterday, talking about the, the uh, Narayana Kavacha, because in the Narayana Kavacha practice, if one performs the nyasas at the beginning of the practice, which means placing... Uh, nyasa means placing uh, syllables of mantras on different parts of one's body as um, creating the shield, but we can say also 
infusing the body with the Lord, or we can also say becoming qualitatively one with the Lord. And uh, it is, hmm, it's, uh, it's the standard understanding in the practice of deity worship. Uh, this is why uh, there are preliminary practices uh, when performing deity worship of purification and also of nyasa, because the whole idea is one should prepare, one should make oneself um, qualitatively the same as the Lord one is worshiping. So that idea is also there with Brahmabhuta. But if again we jump back to the 18th chapter uh, description of Brahmabhuta, what do we find? Brahmabhuta prasannatma. Again, one is very um, uh, jo joyful. And nasochati nakangshati. There's no uh, lamentation and there's no hankering. Uh, no lamentation, no hankering, which suggests not being uh, overly preoccupied either with the past or the future. Uh, being focused in the mind uh, means in particular being focused in the present, being aware uh, of what is going on at the present uh, moment with oneself, becoming aware or being aware of everything about, about oneself. Um, and being less concerned, I won't say completely not concerned because a devotee will be, to be Krishna conscious, Prabhupada said, means first uh, to be conscious and to be conscious means to be appropriately conscious of past and future, um, not oblivious, not, as we say, spaced out, but uh, appropriately aware. But na shochati na kangshati, and then sama sarveshu bhuteshu. Uh, having or cultivating a vision of all living beings being the same. Pursuing that vision. We may find it difficult at times. Uh, <laughs> um, we have our preferences, we have our favorites of living entities. <laughs> uh, and uh, to be sort of absolutely equal to all living entities, including hmm, including bacteria and viruses? Hmm, not so easy. Um, but hmm, pursuing that vision, which means also, this I would say is part of being uh, qualitatively hmm, the same as the Lord, as it means also ha uh, cultivating a sense of how how does Krishna see uh, 
the world? How how does what's the what's the God's eye perspective on what's going on right now? What is God's perspective? <laughs> and this can be very uh, very liberating because it, we we can sort of mentally you can you know zip up so to say you put yourself in a in a little uh, drone mental drone machine and you um, you um, elevate yourself to the the position of Krishna beyond this world, then how does everything look? All the things that we are so caught up in, how does it all look? Not that the Lord is indifferent, not that he doesn't care, but he sees, he sees, um, he has the full picture of what is happening. So these are a few thoughts, and uh, we can see if there's some discussion. Um, see if there's any question or discussion from any of you. You're welcome to say something now if you like, or or not. <laughs> Avaduta Rai, we can always we can always depend on Avaduta Rai to ask a question. Okay. Jai, Jai, Jai. I wanted to ask. Uh, you mentioned this uh, shloka, Brahma Uttaprasanatmana Shochati Nakanshati, mm. lamentation and hankering is not there but is it possible that also in the level of goodness already well yeah these these categories are you know they they are the bhagavad gita is giving us a map to help us orient ourselves and these categories are not absolute black and white uh, with no gray in between. So as we are, you can say, rising up to the, if we want to take the image of being underwater, material existence is like being very if we're very deeply in material existence, it's like being very deeply down in the water where so far down there's no light. And then we're moving up toward the surface and as we go up, there's more and more light. And as we come to the surface, then so much light is there. So um, it's a rough analogy, but Mode of goodness, we can say, is like being on the surface. We're not out of the water yet, but we're we're on the surface, and uh, now we can now we can breathe, and uh, we can see where we are. 
the illumination is there, and we can see where we need to go. So yeah, we can say in that sense that uh, hankering, lamentation, maybe there may be still some tinges of uh, of that, but they're not they're not pulling us down. They're not dragging us down. We may we may feel some. Yeah, we may feel some remorse uh, for past actions as uh, devotees. In fact, that's a very appropriate feeling to have for, for activity that we've done in the past that was mm, not, not appropriate. Um, and then to feel remorse... And of course, hankering, uh, we have also devotional hankering. Uh, longing, longing for uh, service, longing for association of devotees. Uh, this is especially something we may feel nowadays with all this isolation. We want to have... Uh, it's nice having association of devotees on uh, on the internet. That's certainly we can be grateful for that, but uh, there's also something missing of uh, just being personally with others uh, together. We can we can see each other face to face. Here we can only see each other. Uh, still slightly indirectly. If I'm looking in the camera, you can see me, but I can't see you. <laughs> Look, I, you see me looking, but I don't see you. If I see you, I look down in, on the screen, um, I can see you, but you don't see me looking at you. <laughs> so, anyway, some hankering in that sense could, can be there. Is that okay? Yes, Maharaj. <laughs> I can have other questions. Oh, I don't know. Wait, let's see if there's others first. Uh, Mandali is asking. Um, Mandali, do you want me to read this or do you want to uh, come on and speak to us? She generally likes to keep hidden, I think. Okay, question. <laughs> question. Would it be all right to interpret the Brahmabhuta Prasannatma verse by saying that Unless one is completely satisfied, one cannot love purely as there will be a possibility of selfish motivation in a relationship. Does that mean that one can be theoretically happy without Krishna and that the beauty of Krishna is in that he created devotees with the possibility of being completely happy without him? Oh. Uh, 
I have to probably read this five times before I get it, but let's see. <clears throat> well, let's take the first part. Is it uh, possible to interpret this uh, Brahma Bhutta Prasannatma that unless one is completely satisfied, Prasann. Uh, prasannatma can be translated as completely satisfied. One cannot love purely. Well, um, yes, mad bhaktim lavate param. If we take bhakti as as pure love, then we can say he's he's giving a precondition in that verse. Uh, he's saying you you want to do you want to engage in my service that's great here's what you need to uh, here's here's the prerequisite be situated in Brahma Bhutta and be free of hankering and uh, and so on or you can take it the other way around that you will know that you are engaging in Krishna's service when you experience prasannatma and freedom from hankering lamentation and you are seeing all living beings uh, as the same. That would, you can kind of take it both ways, it seems to me. To be theoretically happy, I'm not quite sure what it would be. Oh, theoretically happy without Krishna? Well, again, the prasannatma, I'm sorry, the Brahmabhuta suggests that, yes, the Brahmavadi uh, can be happy with uh, being sort of floating around in Brahman, so to say. But what Krishna is saying in that verse is that um, at that point, the natural next step is going to be to serve Krishna, because you're in this, uh, you're floating, floating around in Brahman, feeling very happy, but for how long? Until it gets maybe kind of boring. Aruhya kritrena param param tata patantyadha anadritiyushmarangraya says in the Bhagavatam, uh, one reaches this Brahma Bhuta and then if one doesn't take shelter of the Lord's lotus feet, patanti, uh, they fall, they fall down. So, um, theoretically happy without Krishna. Yes, happiness is there. We see lots of happy people. Uh, the thing is, we, we question as devotees, how long is that happiness going to last? How long is it going to last? 
Yeah. Is that okay, uh, Mandali? She's going to give a... <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, dear Lalita, you have a question. Hare Krishna. Um, well, um, continuing with Brahma Bhutam, um, in the verse, uh, in the translation here, it says Brahma Bhutam liberated by identification with the Absolute. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, you know, um, this process of Bhakti Yoga that we're practicing, um, it leads us towards like a Finding out that I'm not this body, that I'm spirit soul. Does uh, that ultimately means if if I come to the realization that I'm spirit soul, uh, does it mean that that's ultimately identification of a really absolute that or, or um, that qualitative identity with the absolute? Is that sort of a similar thing? Or am I yeah. missing something? No, that's, that's the same thing. That's, that's what the Upanishads are all about, is uh, realizing that Atman, Atma and Brahman are the same. So to realize Atma means realizing ourselves as being... Hmm. We say spirit soul. <laughs> um, that that goes kind of hand in hand. It goes together uh, with realizing Brahman. Um, yeah. So, and that's what Prabhupada's referring to when he's uh, with the word absolute. Um, absolute is in contrast to uh, to what is relative, relative truth, uh, which means truth, something may be true uh, with respect to something else. There's some uh, dependence. This is true so long as that is, X is true so long as why is the case uh, that you can say is relative truth and absolute truth is x is always the case no matter what <laughs> okay yeah so um what else Anyone else have a, que a comment or a question? Um, a question please. Oh, yes, Avaditura, yes. Um, in the ninth chapter of the Gita, the 29th shloka speaks about devotional service. Whoever does it is in me, Krishna says. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit what means in me? Ah. Uh -huh. Let's have a look at the verse. That's verse 29. 
Ah, yes. Samoham sarvuteshu na medveshosti na priya. Ye bhajanti tuman bhaktya mai te teshu cha api aham. Yeah, it literally says in me because mai is uh, the locative form uh, of uh, the, the pronoun of the first person pronoun so mai in me so you're asking what does that mean to be in in me well let's see Prabhupada's translation I envy no one nor am I partial to anyone I'm equal to all but whoever renders service unto me in devotion is a friend is in me and I am also a friend to him I suppose we could take this in a sort of ordinary sense, like um, being in someone's, well, being in someone's friendship. Um, we say like that in English, uh, I am in friendship with uh, a, a, such and such person or I am in agreement, or I am in, um, I'm in a conspiracy with. <laughs> have to watch out about talking about conspiracies nowadays. Uh, then on the other side, if we go from this, the transcendental side, we, we may want to remember uh, the body of Krishna uh, is Satchit-Ananda-Vigraha. And Satchit-Ananda is, um, well, it's fully spiritual. And we understand that the Atma, the Self, is also Satchit-Ananda. And again, that means there's some kind of non-difference. There's a qualitative non-difference. And then if we go back to uh, same chapter, verse, uh, verse 4, Maya tatamidam sarvam Krishna's saying, I'm um, stretched, tatam, I'm uh, pervading this world, and I am beyond this world. So, in a similar way, we are um, within the body of God, like the Sri Raman, the the Sri Sampradaya, the Ramanuja Sampradaya, they like to use this analogy of uh, the universe, just as uh, the soul, the Atma, is in the body and pervades the body and rules the body. Similarly, the Lord uh, is in the universe and pervades the universe and rules the universe. So in that sense, we can say we are in Krishna. 
Um, of course, in the next verse, in verse 5, Krishna says, Natcha matstani bhutani pashame yoga maishwaram. Bhuta brinnatcha bhuta sto mamatma bhuta bhavana. Yet everything that is created does not rest in me. <laughs> Wait a minute, Krishna, you just said everything rests in me, and now you're saying everything doesn't rest in me. Make up your mind. Behold my mystic opulence, Pashame Yogam Aishwaram. Although I am the maintainer of all living entities, and although I am everywhere, I am not a part of this cosmic manifestation, for myself is the very source of creation. Now, at some point in all of this kind of contemplation, we realize that our notions of space, just as our notions of time, break down. They don't work anymore when talking about Krishna, when talking about the supreme person, the supreme form, talking about Sachit Ananda. Um, it's, it's not like the three, we're not talking about in and next to and above and below uh, in the same way as we do in three-dimensional space. And I would say that's exactly what Krishna wants to do by mm, speaking this verse number five. He wants to shake us out of our limited notions of, uh, of relation uh, in terms of space and therefore also in terms of time. He says, Pashame yogam aishwaram. See, just see my unlimited, uh, my, my yoga lordship, literally, my, my lordship uh, mm, how to say my, my lordship of engagement. I don't know, it depends how you translate yoga. But Prabhupada translates it as uh, mystic power, <laughs> which is nice. <clears throat> Here comes Mandali's postscript question. Could we then say that the purpose, quote-unquote, of the Brahman platform is to create an illusion for the soul that it is happy without Krishna. So when we decide to serve him, it is not out of selfish desire to become happy, but out of pure love. Well, um, I don't know about speaking of Brahman uh, we don't want to say that Brahman is a kind of illusion because uh, that's that's getting a little problematic. <laughs> uh, so, but you're saying the Brahman platform, of course, one can uh, one can say. I am liberated and not 
and be in a state of uh, a, a, a certain sort of illusion. And that's, I think, what is being spoken of in the verse I mentioned before, paramparam tata patantyadha. There, <clears throat> they reach parampadam, but then again, <laughs> but then again, maybe not. And yes, I think the issue here is, uh, is there a potential lingering selfishness? And it seems that there is, because there are those who uh, will get that far and refuse to go any further. Because of being... Uh, uh, submitting to the snare, the last snare of Maya. Prabhupada says, the last snare of Maya. A snare is, um, it's a kind of a trap. It's a nice word in English, a snare. Uh, it's a kind of trap which one gets attracted to, you might say. And so... Um, Maya has many snares, many many traps, one after another. If one can transcend one trap uh, of gross material pleasure, another one, a more subtle, a more subtle one, uh, f you know, fame, profit, distinction. Uh, position and so on. If I can cross beyond all of those, there's still a last snare, and that last snare is that I, uh, I think of myself, I, I have become God, and that we can equate. We can equate with a certain, I would say, lower end lower end of Brahman realization. <laughs> hmm. There's a spectrum. Um, something like with Shanta Rasa. Shanta Rasa seems to have um, a, a, a spectrum from, from lower to higher. On the high end of Shantarasa are associates of Krishna in Vrindavan. If I'm not mistaken, isn't it said that cows in Vrindavan have a Shantarasa relation? In any case, the yeah, the trees, the grass, Shantarasa, but they're related with Krishna, and even there, there's a sense of service to Krishna, right? They're bending down, the trees are bending down, uh, uh, giving shade and giving fruit. So that's the high end of Shantarasa, we may say. And then the lower end, or the bottom end of Shantarasa, somewhere in between, we may say, Shantarasa is where the awe and reverence comes in, where we, we have uh, 
we're standing at a distance uh, with folded hands offering prayers to the Lord with great awe and reverence and perhaps um, with, with fear of God. Mm -hmm. As Søren Kierkegaard said, fear and trembling, with fear and trembling before God. So that could be like a middle position, and then a lower position could be um, where one is thinking, ha, I made it, now I am God. Doesn't, doesn't, is not even aware that exactly the opposite is true. <laughs> so in that sense, yes, Brahmabhuta, on the low end, I would say, could be a platform for uh, uh, facilitating this illusion. Is that okay? <laughs> okay. Hare Krishna. Well, um, I think I will uh, say thank you very much, especially to Munich Yatra for this opportunity to share with you Bhagavad Gita. And uh, wish you all, whether you're in Munich or elsewhere, because we see several devotees here are not in Munich, <laughs> wherever you are. Wish you all the best for this week. Keep safe and well. And chant and be happy. And be pras prasanatma. <laughs> be prashanta manasa. Be peaceful in your mind. Uh, and experience sukham uttamam, super happiness. Anybody here want to experience super happiness? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you all. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Anantakoti Vaishnavarinda ki jai. Gora Premanande Hari Hari Bol Hari Krishna